for you and me, that song is like our NBA childhood. Yeah, NBA on NBC, man. That, and I mean, I, that's like the hate. The last time before, like right now, that the Bulls were like serious title contenders. I mean, I mean, I can hear uh, Bob Costas. Yeah, calling Game Six of the NBA Finals when I mean, okay, we're 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 both thirty now. Can we accept that MJ pushed off in that last Finals? Nah, never. He pushed off. He pushed off. He pushed. Well, off. All I all I have to say is is that the one of the best NBA like one of the first NBA Finals that in my like memory bank on NBA on NBC was. Bulls Sonics with Gary yeah. Payton and Sean Gary Kemp. the Glove, Sean Kemp. Yeah, that uh, was rest cool. in peace. Moment of silence for the uh, Seattle Supersonics. They they yeah. need to bring back the Supersonics, man. Yeah, sweet um, uniforms, man. Those absolutely awesome. dynamite. Well, hey, welcome back to another uh, edition of LR Weekly. Um, tease a little bit what next week's episode is going to be. It is a podcast tradition for us to pick every winner of every major division one college basketball tournament. Um, So we will be doing that next week. So buckle up for a long episode next week. Uh, These episodes have taken decades and decades and decades before. So that's going to be next week. Uh, So look forward to that. Uh, We got to start this week, buddy. Uh, I took a road trip. Yes, Saturday night. Uh, and it was interesting because I post on Instagram a picture of uh, the Cole Center up in Wisconsin with like 18 minutes left to go in the game. And then we decided to have Fight Club and my phone just go. Did you stay? Did you say? Yes. Yes. I, I saw the fight. Um. I want your takes on the whole situation first before I give mine, because I'm going to go a little deeper into this whole thing. Okay. And I, so I, I want to hear your takes. So I was watching it with crystal here at home and um, I, I knew that there was going to be an issue when Greg guard took that time out. Now I'm just going to tell you, I have zero issue with Greg guard taking that time out. If you're and Jawan Howard said he wasn't running a press, he was running a pressure five. I don't care what anyone says. Your first of all, it wasn't even a man defense. It wasn't even a man defense. He was trapping on the ball. He was trapping on ball. So that is a press. You are pressuring the ball full full court, whether you say so or not. With 15 seconds on the clock, you're down 15. You pressure the ball. They call timeout to not just to rub it in. Gray guard is resetting the 10 second count. And I am fully convinced that Jawan Howard doesn't know the rule. Like I am a hundred percent convinced that he doesn't understand that Gray guards taking that timeout to simply reset the 10 second count so that his bench guys, his five walk-ons have a fresh opportunity to get the ball over the timeline. Then Howard fouls. Howard's calling for a foul. Down 15 with 15 seconds to go in the game. All right, game on. If you're going to foul and extend the game, then in your mind, the game is not over yet. 
I don't care what anyone says. The game's not over. Flash then to the post-game handshake. I understand that there was a grab by Greg Gard, but I think what Gard was trying to do was explain because why, first thing that comes out of Juwan Howard's mouth, which you can't see because he's wearing a mask, so at least he fought safely. He's wearing a mask, and he says to Greg Gard, I will remember this. I will remember this. And Greg Gard grabs him and is like, hey, I was calling a timeout to reset the 10-second count for my walk-ons so they could get the ball over the timeline. You think I? you have a hard time with your five starters to get the ball over the timeline from the end line with four seconds? That's impossible. So then, then it goes nuts. Then he swipes. And here's my take on it. You are a leader of men, of a Division I basketball program where, you know, John Beeline took this team to a national championship, Final Fours. This is it, not just any university. Michigan is a proud basketball school. They have had good teams, made deep runs in the tournament. And for Michigan to suspend him for the regular season and not fire him, to me, is the wrong move. And I get people are like, you can't fire him. This is one mistake. This happened in 2019, or no, last year, 2021, during the Big Ten tournament where he got into it with Mark Turgeon from from, uh, Maryland. I don't there that now there he will never live that down anytime anywhere he goes you probably are going to have rocky music when he's running out of the tunnel you're going to have these things that are going to happen he will not be able to live down and Michigan is going to be associated with this as much as they are with Chris Weber calling the timeout costing them the game with the Fab 5 so my opinion Juwan Howard needed to go Now Michigan keeps him. Michigan's okay with their head coach swinging. I know he wasn't closed fist and he's kind of scratching. To me, wrong move. He had to go. Michigan now is like, uh, we're okay with this. And to me, it it wasn't enough. Josh, you were there. It's on you now. So the part that I wish people talked about, so – I also, this whole situation. So during the timeout, Jawan Howard doesn't really talk to his team. Correct. He just stares straight at, and I called you and I told you, and I said, dude, this was a lot longer. Like he just stared directly at the Wisconsin bench. I look over at my cousin when that's happening and I said, dude, there's going to be problems. And the guy next to me was looking at me like, dude, you're out of your mind. And then he fought and then everything else transpires that you touched on. Here's one of the issues that I have. Overall. I'm not going to make this into a race thing. That's not where I'm going with this. The big 10, the big 10 
holds Bobby Knight in such high esteem. A lot of these people who are coming down really, really hard on Juwan Howard view Bobby Knight as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Bobby Knight punched a kid. Bobby Knight strangled a kid. He threw chairs. He went after coaches on a regular basis. You go down. Don Chaney told another coach, I'm going to kill you. So everyone who's freaking out about this whole thing realize that incidences like this happen. I agree with you that I, I don't think that the punishment was severe enough. I think it should have been rest of the year without pay, hefty fines, including tournament. Yeah, I, I can't that, believe you. Bare minimum on that right. front. But for all the people who are saying like, oh, it's stuff like this, uh, he did it, but like this is so unheard. It's not unheard of. Now, am I a big Jawan Howard fan? No, I'm not at all. Neither am I. But to say that, oh, well, this is such a calamitous horror show, it's happened before the people that the NCAA, the Big Ten, hold up on such high pedestals. Right. Well, we got to look at them through the same lens here. You can't, oh, well, one happened a long time ago. It doesn't matter when it happened. Right. If you hold Bob Knight up on this pedestal and then you're going to say, oh, well, Jawan Howard this, Jawan Howard that, why? Like, what's the difference here? Is it just because Bob Knight's won a bunch of games, Jawan Howard? That, I don't know. So I see a lot of anti-Jawan Howard. And listen, was he a clown for what he did? Absolutely. Like, nobody's trying to be like, oh, well, Jawan Howard. No, Jawan Howard should not have hit that man. However, I need everyone to kind of simmer down about this whole thing a little bit and realize that, yeah, coaches get it's an emotional game. And yeah, my team. And, and here's the thing, like the final score doesn't look in. It was like, oh, well, they're pressing. They're down 16. The game was over. That game really wasn't over till you know, four or five minutes left. I mean, Michigan was right there. They had a seven point lead in the second half. So this was a back and forth game. Tensions were high. Michigan's frustrated as we kind of transition away from the fight into Michigan. Now, like they're in some serious danger of not even making the tournament. Now last night helps. Yeah. Big win at Ruck against Rutgers, big win, huge win against Rutgers. But I mean, so you have, and I mean, the Wisconsin crowd, let them know. I mean, the chance of NIT were loud. Yeah. We're loud. And I, I just look at this whole situation like, okay, it's a bad situation. Now, here's what else doesn't help. If Greg Gard wanted to defuse this situation, why did he stand there at, when they got separated? Greg Gard's standing there just telling them all to get off the court, get off the – why don't you get your players, turn them around, walk them off the court too? Yeah. He I never agree. did that. He stood there. He let his guys run their mouths while going to sing with their band. I get it's a tradition to go sing varsity with your students. That's fine. 
But in that situation, you have to have the wherewithal. If you're Greg Gard and you want to seem like the good guy in all of this, you have to take your kids off too because that's what Michigan was doing. Michigan was pulling their guys into the locker room. What Greg Gard and Wisconsin do, they just stood on the court hollering it up like a good time. That didn't help the situation. And then for the Wisconsin athletic director to come out and say, our people did absolutely nothing wrong. Buddy, like something had to be said. Do, will we ever know exactly what was said? Probably not. But to say Wisconsin is innocent and all of this, that, the, I, I don't buy that. It's a bad situation, but hopefully then everyone can move forward. I mean, huge win for Wisconsin. I yeah. mean, massive win for the Badgers. And, I mean, they're moving themselves up quickly in this NCAA talk. Yeah. Um. Let's pivot to the other team in Michigan. Yeah, spot it. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Only two wins the entire month of February. Some bad – Losses too, horrible losses. Um, but what's by twenty one at Penn State, um, at Iowa? I don't think. I mean, Iowa's ranked twenty fifth in the nation in the AP poll right now. But I, I, I don't think Iowa's anything special. And to lose to them by twenty six—that's the part that got me. It wasn't so much that you lose on the road to Iowa. I mean, Iowa has those shooters between McCafferty and all those other guys that if they get hot, yeah, they're going to be just about anybody in Carver Hawkeye. They are right. But to lose by 30. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I would almost say now um, we talked about bubble, you know, when you're in the NCAA tournament, you know, I love John Rossing on uh, Twitter and you don't talk about teams on the bubble in February and March. It's like, you don't talk religion, politics and bubble, you know? And um, I think right now you have to put Michigan state. Now teams, people, ESPN, CBS does not have Michigan state as one of those bubble teams. And again, for those that don't understand bubble, it just means teams that are either are one win away from making the tournament or one lose away from being out of the tournament. And right now, with Michigan State only having two wins in the month of February, you got one game Saturday, which is a huge game for Michigan State. Um, Purdue comes to um, Michigan State. Then you got at Michigan, at Ohio State, and at home against Maryland. These next three games for Michigan State will decide if they make the tournament or not. Granted, unless they make a run in the Big Ten tournament. You have to beat Michigan. Well, you're going to play Purdue at 11 a.m. Saturday morning. That's going to be tough. Then you have to turn around, go to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. Always a tough game, rivalry game against Michigan. Then at Ohio State. And the way Michigan State's playing right now, their offense has looked not in sync. They're not making outside shots, which is causing their offense to struggle. And they're not defending the basketball, not a tournament team in my opinion right now. Well, and that's where I don't understand how they're not even on the bubble conversation. Yeah. They're They're, like in correct. They're three and six against quad one. 
and they're only three wins against quad one. I mean, you look, they have a good win against UConn and a good win at Wisconsin. Their win at Wisconsin is probably their best win of the year. Other than that, they have no impressive wins. Yeah. And I, for the life of me, why you're saying, okay, if you're going to say that a team like Michigan is on the bubble, how are you not squarely putting Michigan State right there with them when in almost every metric that you look at, whether that's the net, however you want to look at them, Michigan is ranked ahead of Michigan State. It right. just it makes no sense to me. So then the only logical question that I have to ask then is, is name what's helping these guys. Is Tom I, Izzo being there? I mean, I had these dudes as one of my top 16 teams last week. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't even know if these dudes know how to play a basic offense. Because yeah. watching them, was that last night against Iowa? Yep. I, they uh, looked atro- or two nights ago. Two nights ago. Atrocious. They looked absolutely atrocious on every single aspect of the game they looked horrible speaking of bubble let's talk bubble they say you're not supposed to talk bubble we're close enough friends buddy there isn't a topic that we don't talk about together right um so you and i are going to talk bubble according to espn today so joey brackets from the bracket bunker his last four in michigan iu Memphis, San Diego State. I want to focus on one. You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, if this Memphis team gets healthy and they tough. start rolling, you don't want to play them. Period. And I'll tell you right now, you they, that's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right here. Depending on what Memphis team shows up, they, they are good enough to beat a top 15 team, and they are on their worst nights could lose – to Maryland. anyone literally yeah. anyone and it's just it, it just depends on the night if memphis is shooting from the outside and they're hitting their shots and they're playing good defense then you know memphis is a tough team and a tough team to beat anywhere you play them um so you get a good memphis team and they finish the year strong i think they're in um iu man uh, they won tonight against Maryland, a, a, just an awful Maryland team. Um, now, everybody knows I'm a Purdue guy. Now, I'm just going to tell you, right now, the highlight of IU season is what, Josh? Beating Purdue. Beating Purdue, okay? First time they beat them in six years. Oh, well, it is what it is. It was at Assembly Hall. You know what it's like to lose to IU at Assembly Hall every, you know, it, it happens. Um, Evidently, but, they storm the court for anything at IU now. Right. Well, hey, I just look out. They might put popcorn boxes and you know hail this as the the Purdue game, like they do the watch shot because they have nothing else to hang their hat on in the last thirty five years of pointless university. So, Sorry. but this is what I'm saying. Moving on. Their only quality win in the last month is beating Purdue, and in, in the last. Two months. You're you're looking January twentieth. The last quality win by the Indiana Hoosiers. They have now they lost six in a row. One of them being to Northwestern. Granted, there were players suspended for that game. Doesn't matter. Um, they beat Maryland tonight. To me, here's the end of their season. 
at Minnesota, at home against Rutgers, which is a possible quad one victory, and at Purdue. I'm just going to tell you right now, if they lose two of those three games, they are no longer on the bubble. They are out and then are going to be required to make a deep run in the Big Ten tournament to make the tournament. I don't see IU making the NCAA tournament this year. So the thing the thing that gets me about IU is that I they just they can't finish games. I mean, right now you, you look at the Big Ten. I mean, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, Rutgers, Iowa. I think you you give them squarely in, safely in, could lose the rest of their games, still gonna put them in territory. Everybody else. Yeah, there's I mean, a group of, of three teams in the Big Ten, Michigan State, Michigan, IU, that are up in the air right now. And, and I go back, like you look, they don't have a pivotal non-conference win to hang their hat on either. I mean, their non-conference schedule was Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois, St. John, Louisiana, Jackson State, Marshall, Syracuse, Merrimack, Notre Dame, Northern Kentucky. I mean, wait. How are you going to say, oh, well, we had a tough – you didn't have a tough strength of schedule. I mean, you only beat Eastern Michigan by six. I mean, I just – I don't understand how teams like IU continually get this benefit of the doubt. I just – I don't understand. I don't understand how Michigan – I don't understand how Michigan State – at some point this idea of, oh, well, the Big Ten such a great conference. We should give them the benefit. Your teams have to perform. And if your team's not performing, guess what? They shouldn't get in. Yep. Period. Um, first four out is interesting too. Oklahoma, BYU, SMU, Dayton. Again, you look at Oklahoma, they have a chance coming up here in the Big 12 tournament to play themselves in. Yep. Yeah. But if you're saying, hey, we're going to put all of our chips on a deep run that second week of March, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And um, one of the other things – uh, a team to watch out for that if you're a bubble team, the last thing you want to do is see San Francisco University get an at-large bid. You, you get that team right now. If you ask me, and again, San Francisco, everyone's like, San Francisco? Yes, San Francisco, who currently is playing Gonzaga and playing them tough. So I'm telling you right now, San Francisco gets in. One of these bubble teams is go there. Well, now Gonzaga's up 14, but still, I'm telling you right now, San Francisco gets an at large bid. You can kiss one of these bubble teams' chances goodbye. The last well, thing you want to do is see a, a mid major get an at large bid. And, and that's the thing that makes these next two weeks so exciting is that as tickets are punched, as things develop week in, week out. Wins here, wins there. I you never know on a nightly basis. It, perfect example is in the Ohio Valley Conference with Murray State. Okay, well, what if Murray State gets upset? Well, guess what? Murray State's still going to make the tournament. Yeah, and so if Mur somebody besides Murray State or 
maybe Belmont. I mean, Belmont's coming in. Belmont's 24 and five. But again, I, I don't know if a 24 and five team from the OVC gets in. I don't know. Right. But if someone besides those two teams end up winning the Ohio Valley Conference tournament, then that's going to take yeah. a spot away from someone. Yeah, bubble so teams. Just, the last thing you want to do is see a team that finished number one overall in the conference lose their tournament and lose that automatic bid because they those teams could sneak in somehow. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting at the NIT or you're sitting on your couch. And then you got to go to a place like Valpo that Florida State learned is no fun to go when it's actually fun. Um, I got to admit something here, man. The more that I look at Gonzaga this year, I mean, they're the number one team in the country, the unanimous number one team in the country for a reason. Um, yeah, and I, I, I talked pretty badly about them on our first pod, and I'd like to apologize because they did have a good non-conference schedule. Now, and- here, here's the thing. I agree with you that from January on – it's a coast. It, it's a coast. Now, here's the thing. They haven't lost since December 4th. They have seven quad one wins. That is more than Arizona, Kentucky, Duke, Tennessee, and Illinois. And it's the same amount of quad, quad one wins as Texas Tech, Auburn, and Purdue. Now, all that being said, I do think there is something to playing tough games down the stretch that gets you ready for March. Yeah. Um, obviously, Mark Few proved last year that he has the talent that they can go about as far as possible. Yep. They ran into a Baylor team full of NBA point guards and linebackers. I mean, I – right. There is really nothing that they could do in that game. Baylor hits all those threes. You're you're not going to be Baylor that night. Um, but until someone proves otherwise, I mean, I think Gonzaga has done enough, especially this last week, that they're just rolling people. And if they continue to extend that lead on San Francisco on the road, I mean, hi, who, who's knocking them off? Well, huge game Saturday. That is always their toughest game of the year, St. Mary's, 9 o'clock at your house, the nightcap. Absolutely. And so we'll we'll get to that a little bit. Um, But I think moving to our reaction to the top 16, um, obviously Gonzaga is number one, clearly the number one team. Um, But I had a couple of takeaways. Um. And this, the first takeaway is that head-to-head means absolutely nothing right? to the committee. means absolutely nothing because the way they have it set up, so we'll just look at Kentucky-Kansas, for example. Kentucky went into Kansas and blew them out of the water. I mean, that was a 30-point game when Cal pulled the starters. Beat them by 20 in Lawrence. Right. Head-to-head means nothing. Yeah, and here's the beat Kentucky, right? Kentucky's ranked ahead of Duke. And one of the things, I mean, pretty impressive by both of us to get. We had so I had all 16 of 16. Now I didn't have them in the right slots, 
but I did have all 16. I had the top four seeds right in the exact spot. And I had all 16. You had 15 out of 16. Um, but the thing about it is to me that jumped out was, and you can call me a Homer, but how low Purdue is, um, which says something to me about the big, the view of the big 10 conference for the, in the eyes of the committee. Um, I, I don't think they view the big 10 as one of the better conferences in the, in the country this year. Um, so to me, it worries the idea that Purdue could even improve their seed line. Well, um, I and I think overall you look at really honestly and truly how different the AP and coaches pull are from the Top rankings six. that the committee put out. Well, I mean, in this week's AP poll, Baylor is 10. Well, and we said that before we did this podcast that the AP poll and the committee's top 16, there's no correlation in it whatsoever. Like the committee doesn't even look at the AP poll. It doesn't matter. Um, so very interesting to see um, Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue, Duke in that two line. And I'm telling – and I, there's a, a bunch of games that this is going to move around this weekend. Um so very interesting to see how this plays out. Well, and what's interesting to me as well is, okay, let, let's take some of those teams you just mentioned. And I understand they don't take the other polls into account. But generally, there's some consensus that, okay, these teams are ranked at least in this general spot, give or take two or three. Yeah. USA Today poll. Coaches poll. Baylor's 11. Coaches poll. Baylor is 10. And Top they, 16 ratings. Five. Like, I don't... So, where where's the divide there? Like, that I don't understand. And the, the committee member that they had on CBS during the reveal said that there was discussion between Kansas and Baylor for that last number one overall or the last number one seed, which blows my mind. How? Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, then that brings in a whole new, you know, can of worms that you have to open is that what is the com the committee looking at? And to me, it comes down to quad one wins and it comes down to how you're playing at this specific moment in time. I don't think – I think they take into account your your quad one wins from the beginning of the season. I think they take into account the teams that you beat at the beginning of the season and where they were at at the beginning of the season. But they don't take it into as much of an account as how you're playing right now and the teams you're beating right now and how you're – and how the teams that you're beating are playing right now. I think everything comes down to how you're playing going into March, and that's going to be what the committee looks at. Well, and the other thing that you know people have talked about for years is, well, oh, well, will the committee take into account, oh, well, if they had people injured, if they had people this? Uh, and that answer is no, clearly no. For example, again, a homer take here, Kentucky hasn't played at full strength in almost a month. They don't care. Right. They said, well, sorry, you still lost to Auburn. You still lost to Tennessee. Sorry about your luck. And, and it's, it's interesting to me to see that 
you know, I mean, you were pretty close, like with your top four, you had all your top four, right. Um, but it, it's interesting as you move down that line, what we think should matter and what the committee thinks should matter. There's at least a little bit of divide there. I'm not saying there's a huge divide, but there is still at least some divide there that I, and I don't know if we need a little bit more transparency to understand what the committee is looking for, because I look in, if you have a team that's ranked 10th in the AP poll, but the committee saying, well, you know, there's a talk that they're one of the top four teams in America. How, how, right. Like what are we missing? What people who know a whole lot more about us than basketball who vote in that AP poll, what are they seeing that the or I, I just, I just don't understand how Baylor can be in the talk for a four seed or for a one seed when they're not even a top five team in any poll. Right. Just makes no sense to me. Um, you hinted to it a little bit, buddy. We got a big weekend. Yes, sir. We have a big weekend. Um, our traditional, we try to do it at least once a year with college basketball. Normally it gets pushed to this time of year because of, uh, employment conflicts on my end um but our college basketball day so we get together we put together a great spread of food um are you getting here at 11 or is it still like 12 15 i got you i i will i got you i will be there for the purdue game okay that's all that matters all right um so what what we're gonna do is we kind of have a day planned here uh, we got the 11 o'clock slot, the one o'clock slot, the three o'clock slot, the five o'clock slot, and then um, jumping all the way to the seven o'clock slot because no disrespect to Duke, but Duke and Syracuse, I, if Duke loses that game, you're Duke and I want to make fun of you. Um, so, but we have five games picked out one from uh, the major time slots uh, that kind of weigh, Hey buddy, uh, Trap game for your boilers a little bit here. I would agree. Big time trap game. Um, Because I, like we said last week, I don't feel like Purdue's playing their best basketball right now. And you're going into East Lansing with a desperate, I mean, the definition of desperate Tom Izzo-led Spartans team. This is going to be a ball game, brother. Yeah, it is. Um, So just like we did with football, we're going to do some picks. Um, I will take this pick first. I am going to take Purdue by a bucket or two. Free throws late, got to hit them. Um, but I also look Zach Eady to have a big game here. I don't think Michigan State has anyone who can really hit on him or Travion inside. Um, so I look for Zach Eady to have a little bit of a coming out game here. Um, possible double-double, maybe even for both him and Travion at the same time. Um, so, but give me the boilers in a close one in the Breslin center. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going boilers as well. Uh, I just, right now, Michigan state is not playing good basketball. They, their shots aren't fall falling. Um, there's absolutely no confidence on that sideline whatsoever. Like they don't really have a guy that can go and get them a bucket when they need a bucket. I feel like they're kind of like what Purdue used to be where it was like, um, win by committee like now Purdue has a bunch of guys that can go and make their own shot and to me this is why Purdue is one of the top teams of the country um, I, I gotta roll with the boilers um, I do agree I think this is going to be a lot closer game than what people think I, 
you're playing Michigan State at Michigan State. Um, so for that, give me the Boilers. Boiler well, up. Hammer and this down. game is so huge, especially considering what's going on in Champaign, Illinois right now. Right. With Ohio State out on a six-point lead on Illinois. So now all of a sudden you can be talking Purdue puts themselves – very, very much squarely in that one to two seed talk for the Big Ten if Illinois uh, ends up dropping this one to Ohio State. Um, going down to Fayetteville, Arkansas for the one o'clock slot, my Wildcats. Uh, okay. Here. People get annoyed because John Calipari is like, we're everyone's Super Bowl, this, that, and the other. People get upset about it. Okay. So Arkansas recently played Auburn when Auburn was the number one team in the country. Ticket prices for this Kentucky game are three times higher than they were for when Auburn came in. They're striping out the bud, Christian. They're they're striping out the bud in Fayetteville. Looks like, again, cats are going to be short two starters. Uh, Looking like both Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington might be out. Um, I hate, to, I mean, if this Kentucky team, anything, the last two weeks has proven anything is that they can play minus two guys, um, tough road test at Arkansas. I'm, I'm going to have to take the Razorbacks right now. I think Arkansas is playing really, really solid basketball. Um, and I think they're going to be desperate for a big road win just to really cement that seed line as a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to uh, call the hogs and predict an Arkansas win on Saturday. I'm not, I'm rolling with your wildcats. I, I hope you're right, buddy. I, because I, if we, if we win this game, like I might run outside and like jump in a snow pile. Well, that's what I mean. This, if Purdue and Kentucky both win on Saturday, those the games after that are just going to be just a party. Like it's just going to be like we order in the steak fajitas for dinner on Saturday. Right. If, if both these dudes win. Right. Um, I like Kentucky in this game. Um, I can you just please tell me how to pronounce your center's name? Oscar Sheboy. Oscar Oscar Sheboy. I just don't think that's. I call him Alphabet Soup. Um, just letters. <laughs> That floated to the top, and they're like, that's it. That's Isn't he something, man? But, man, I watched that game on, what was Last it, night. Saturday afternoon. And oh, yes. he is a man playing with, against boys. I mean, is. the power underneath the basket, he can get you a basket whenever he wants you to. Um, he's just – he's a man. And for that reason, um, when – I think when you get into March, there's two things that you need to have. You need to have a guard that can get you a shot anytime that you need, and you need a center that you can dump the ball to and get you a bucket whenever you need and can get you the rebound. Kentucky has both of those things. I'm taking Kentucky in this game. Um, Big game for Kentucky. Big game for Arkansas will be a amazing basketball game to start your a little bit of a later afternoon slate. Uh, give me the Wildcats. Well, and what's interesting is you look, and I mean, you had like a guy like Bryce Hopkins who came in um, to that game last night. He had averaged two points a game all year. 
And then he comes out and he scores 13 on five of six shooting last night. So, I mean, there's always guys there. I mean, but yeah, I mean, Oscar had 17 and 16. I mean, he's just, he's, he's a beast. I mean, he has, he has more rebounds this year than Anthony Davis had in his season at Kentucky. I mean, this dude, he's just doing some special things and he's about to be a millionaire because his NIL stuff just came through, which this is why this NIL is a good thing. He is now going to be able to pay to fly his mom over from Africa to get to watch him play. That's pretty sweet. So it's fantastic that uh, Oscar's mom going to get to come watch him play. Uh, Auburn and Tennessee, good old – I hate that song. Good Uh, old Rocky Top. However, I need Tennessee – to get this win, to keep Kentucky's hopes for like their 50th SEC regular season championship alive. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, roll war Eagle too much Auburn. I agree. Um, I think Auburn wins this basketball game. Um, honestly, I, I just think Bruce Pearl's got this team playing at this at its best right now. Um, they have a potential number one overall draft pick playing. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see them losing this game. But I also, you know, a couple weeks, couple months ago, uh, I didn't see Kentucky losing this game at Tennessee. It's a tough place to play. It's a it tough is. place. To, it is. And so I think it's going to be a close one. I don't think that this game gets out of hand by any means. Um, I think Tennessee keeps it close, but I think Auburn wins in the end. Uh, definitely. I mean, far and away, game of the weekend um, from the Pac-12. I mean, and buddy, it, Waco, it's going to be off the chain. I mean, Kansas, Baylor. Um, what's you, interesting, you said Pac 12, by the way, it's big. 12. I said the Pac 12, I'm talking the Big 12, correct? I'm sorry, you, you're, I got you. I it's got late, you. it's late, it's it 9 30. It's been, I mean, I've had a two straight days. Okay, side note here I don't do meetings well, like, I'm not a person who does meetings well. Like, if I'm in a meeting for more than like 20 minutes, my eyes start to get weird, and I have had like two straight days. Of nothing but meetings. Of meetings. Yeah. I and I'm like, I am going to lose my mind. I hear you. Thankfully, tomorrow it's all about eating that uh, McRib sandwich for lunch. Uh that lovely Porter Township School Corporation cafeteria is throwing out for us. Um Baylor's actually the favorite to win this game on Saturday. According to the matchup predictor on ESPN. Baylor has a 70% chance at winning this basketball game. What? I think I, this this is the game that decides the one seed. I really do. I think that this is the game that will decide if Kansas or Baylor gets that. And obviously it can fluctuate from, you know, the end of the season with the Big 12 tournament. But I, I think this game decides who this could be the championship game of the big 12 tournament. Um, but I'm, I'm rolling with Baylor at home. I am. Uh, Here's my problem with people saying like this for the one seat. And again, it's probably me being antiquated. Okay. When they played 
less than a month ago. They played 19 days ago. Kansas beat them by 30. By 30. Yeah. I don't understand how you can say, like, and even with who's favorited, how are you going to say that a team who lost by 30 is now all of a sudden going to turn 30 points? I, I don't understand this. Yeah, but it beat Kansas, rock chalk, block the Bears chalk, whatever they want to say. I'm not a Scott Drew guy. You know I'm not a Scott Drew guy. I'm, I'm not, not either. I'm not a Drew guy. I mean, Homer, give me Homer all day. Anyone else I don't care about. Give me Kansas. Yeah, I'm, I'm by rolling, double digits. Ooh, I'm rolling Baylor by double j- digits. So we'll we're gonna roll and see who who gets it right. Gonzaga and St. Mary's, uh, the nightcap, dude. This is a day of college basketball. Love it. I mean, th- this last one's not starting till nine o'clock. I don't know if we've ever made it through the nine o'clock game. We're going to this year uh, if the game's close. If, if it's a close game. Right. Now, if Gonzaga comes out and is beating these dudes by 50, I'm going to kick you out and go to bed. Yeah, I Um, I would agree with that. So, but I'm taking Gonzaga here. I think it'll be close. I think St. Mary's is going to come out firing on all cylinders. I mean, you have to when you're playing Gonzaga, because if you're not firing at all cylinders, if you're not firing on all cylinders, Gonzaga is going to fire you out of the building. Yeah. Um, but I still give me the Zags by 10, 15, probably stretch out in the last two, three minutes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going Zaga. I mean, I just they're just playing the unbelievable out of their mind basketball right now. Chet Holgrim is unbelievable. Um top three pick in the NBA draft. So for that reason, I'm going Zaga and I think they win by 20. And I think we are gonna be kicking me out at halftime. I really do. I think we'll, <laughs> Chris and I will be home by eleven. 10.30 maybe, um, but I'm going Zaga. Well, folks, there you have it. Um, again, next week we're going to come at you. I Get your snacks, get your drinks next week. When you see that notification pop up that the podcast is live for next week's, uh, just understand it's going to be probably an hour and a half to two hour long episode. We are breaking down every single conference tournament. We're going to write down and record who wins each conference tournament. Um, It's always a fun time. I mean, because Christian tries to say school names that he has no clue how to pronounce. Correct. Um, And so we we, like Valparaiso. Valparaiso. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So from all of us here at LR weekly, uh, we hope you all enjoy the basketball this weekend and we will talk to you next week.